Welcome back to another episode of the uh, Gap Down Backer podcast. Um, today we have uh, Coach uh, Casey Teagarden, uh, the special teams coordinator and defensive backs coach at Indiana University. Coach, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing good, Coach. Thanks for coming on. Um, I, I, like I said, I, I kind of want to get into it here in a second, talking DB play, but first... Um, for coaches who haven't had had the pleasure of talking to you or or, or watching enough Indiana football, um, kind of you want to give us your background on kind of how you ended up at Indiana. Sure, um, I grew up in South Florida, so uh, I was raised in Stewart, Florida. Played at South Fork High School in Stewart for Stewart for Dennis Lavelle, who was a longtime coach at Christopher Columbus in Miami, and um, was recruited to play at uh, University of Charleston in West Virginia. We actually started the program there. I was on the inaugural team in 2003 and, and started that program from scratch and uh, was lucky enough to, to play five years there uh, with a redshirt year and um, uh, finished as a, as a team captain and and um, in a couple uh, really good seasons uh, there. And then uh, stayed on um, under Tony DeMeo and um, – um, coached defensive line for a year, linebackers for a year, DBs for a year. Wasn't sure if coaching was for me. Little did I know they were they were preparing me to become the defensive coordinator <laughs> um, at, a, at a very young age. And so at, at, at 24 years old, I was a defensive coordinator there at Charleston and uh, spent a year doing that. And then uh, went up to Northwood uh, University in Midland, Michigan, uh, GLIAC school, uh, Division II school there, and, and coached the defensive backs there. And uh, had, had a pleasure of working with some great great coaches up there, but I was only there about 14 months and uh, Kevin Wilson called me, uh, or excuse me, sorry, uh, went to Valparaiso from there, uh, the university and was the uh, linebackers coach and special teams coordinator at Valparaiso for a short period of time, was lucky enough to stay on the staff there and uh, be retained by Dave Cicchini, uh, who's now the head coach at Bucknell. And now one night, uh, Kevin Wilson, who was the current head coach in Indiana, called me um, and asked me if I'd be interested in actually being a graduate assistant, which was you know, which was tough because I was taking a significant pay uh, cut. Uh, I was uh, single at the time. Uh, I had met my wife. We were dating, but uh, we weren't quite married and didn't have any kids. And so um, I decided to take the leap of faith. And, you know, seven years later, uh, very fortunate to be on Coach Allen's staff and who's done a tremendous job and, um, you know, been here seven years now and, and just kind of worked my way up the ladder from graduate assistant to recruiting director to um, safeties coach. Uh, special teams coordinator and now working with defensive backs and uh, also the outside linebackers is in our defense. Now, I want to kind of hit a couple things before we get the DB play there. I mean, what what was it like taking over as a DC at the college level at 24 years old with, with being so young and uh, inexperienced is, is a bad word because you'd already played five years, you coached for three, but what was that process of being very young in your coaching career and taking over as a DC, what was that experience like? And what did you kind of learn from that? Uh, I learned more. I, I tell people all the time, especially young coaches that call me for advice on taking jobs. I learned more calling plays and designing a defense at that age uh, in that season than I have in any other season um, thus far in my coaching career. I learned a lot this year as the first time being a power five special teams coordinator, special teams, but I learned more about myself, but also just the game um, that season. Uh, it was definitely very challenging. Um, uh, the first thing I had to do was build a staff because uh, a few of those guys were pretty upset that I was named the coordinator and left. So there was other coaches on staff and 
Uh, it, it was, uh, I had to build the staff. Uh, I think my um, linebackers coach at the time was a, was a former teammate of mine that had not gotten into coaching. And then a D line coach, uh, his name was Chris Meyer, who's an Ohio native. Uh, his dad's longtime Baldwin Wallace defense coordinator, Jim Meyer. Uh, he was our D line coach. And the three of us were all under the age of 24. That was our defensive staff. <laughs> so it was probably the most fun I've ever had, to be honest with you. Uh, but it was, uh, it was definitely a learning experience. Um, and um, I wouldn't trade it. I think the biggest thing was trying to design the defense. It didn't need to be fixed. The defense wasn't broken. We were already pretty, pretty good. It was more of a don't screw it up situation. We had a lot of guys back um, from, from a good defense. So it was more of a don't screw it up situation. Um, and, uh, and we, we were okay. I think we finished seven and four, I believe. Um, which was a disappointment. We were nine and two the year before, but defensively, I think we, we were okay. I, I learned uh, don't call press man on third and 23. No. <laughs> so uh, I learned that very quickly. Uh, and then I also, I will tell you, even though I was young uh, at the time, I think I was naive. Our head coach would challenge me on some things and I acted like I knew more than him and coach DeMeo. If you don't know who coach DeMeo is in my opinion, he's a hall of fame coach, long time college coach. Um, and he had been around the block and he's a, he's a, he's an option guy. He's a, he's a triple option guru. And I will give him a lot of credit. He left me alone, but there was a few times he was like, I want you to put this in. And I was like, what does this guy know? You know? So I learned a lot just from that, from that respect of, he does know what he's talking about is he's the head coach. It's his program. You know, you shut up and do what, do what they ask you to do. Um, you know, like I said, I was probably a little arrogant at that age. So that was also a, a great learning lesson. Okay. And then, and then I, I wanted to, because you mentioned Coach Allen there, and I, I want to ask you about the process and what that's like. Work been working with him, and kind of taking Indiana to the next level because you y'all have built a fantastic program there, and and you kind of saw it this year what you guys were able to accomplish through most of the season. What has that transition been like working with Coach Allen and what and kind of the experience and all that, and what have you kind of learned from working with Coach Allen? Well, I was lucky, um, just a couple of things. I was lucky to be his GA when he got here. So when he got here in 2016, that was my third year of my GA, um, uh, GA ship or whatever you call it. Um, and I actually interviewed for some jobs that off season at the FCS and power five level assistant coaching jobs. Thankfully I didn't get any of them. You know, I think you look back on it and you're like, geez, how can they not hire me? You know, but obviously it wasn't, you know, it wasn't in God's plan and, and he wanted me to stay in Indiana. So, so I kind of became Coach Allen's right-hand man when he got here because he didn't bring anybody on staff with him. So I was in a phenomenal situation where it would be just him and I up, upstairs in our, in our staff room watching film at one in the morning every single night. And because he is a night owl now, that, that he watches more film than anybody I've ever met in my life. He prepares and he still does it today as a head coach. Um, and so I had the opportunity to just sit up there with him. There were some sleepless nights, some long nights, um, but just to learn from him and see how he approaches the game and what he has to do mentally to approach every single week uh, is, is really astounding. Uh, so then he created the, recru the, the recruiting job for me, which he did not have to do. And that's the type of man that he is. I didn't have a job when my GA ship was done. Um, I always felt like comfortable. I, I didn't want to settle for a job. I thought about going back to a smaller school. I actually did for a short period amount of time. Um, 
but he was he created this position for me just to keep me around and take care of me and again that's just the type of guy he is he's very loyal to his assistants makes it easy to work for him so he uh the biggest thing about coach Allen is he doesn't, he doesn't steer from who he is. And so obviously, you know, our DNA, our team DNA that we call it and what we're about is called LEO, which is love each other. And as soon as he became the head coach here, um, you know, he's, he stamped his, his, his brand on that. And I think he was, you know, there's a lot of people mocking him, ridiculing him. You know, what does this guy know? Everybody used to call him a high school head coach, right? I mean, that's how he was labeled. He was labeled as a high school guy. A high school coach, a high school coach, and you could hear it everywhere. And even people I talk to, friends I talk to, they're like, "What's it like working for a high?" You know. Um, but if you fast forward to what he's done and what he's accomplished now, it's because he never changed who he was. He never changed what his vision was. His vision for Indiana never changed from day one until today, um, and it's not going to change tomorrow. So that's who we are, and that's what he's built. And I think you you build a staff that believes in it. And did everybody believe at first? I'm sure they didn't, you know, I'm sure I was, you know, speculating a little bit as well, even though I, I felt like I was his right-hand guy when he first got here, he leaned on me very heavily that first year. <clears throat> so, um, as, as a staff beginning to believe the players started to believe and we started to win games and I can point to one single game and I'll never forget it. We were playing at Maryland two years ago. And for whatever reason, man, we struggle when we go to Maryland. I don't know what it is. I mean, they can win one game. They can be one and 10 and we can be nine and two and we'll struggle at Maryland. I don't know what it is. We just, as a team, we got to come, we got to overcome that. Um, but we're there and we're in a back and forth dog fight. <clears throat> and uh, we could not, our offense couldn't move the ball in the fourth quarter defensively. We, we gave up a touchdown and we got a, we got a takeaway uh, late in the fourth quarter, had great field position offense, couldn't do anything with it. They get the ball back. They got a chance to drive down and score and we intercept the ball. In the past, being at Indiana and seeing what transpires over the time, we would have given up a touchdown and lost that game. And defense forced two takeaways in the last four minutes of the game for us to help win. And I remember being in the coach's locker room and I went up to him and I was like, coach, just so you know, I said the tide had turned. Like to me, that was a turning point for us. We went eight and uh, eight and five that year, which is, a lot, you know, Indiana hasn't won eight games in a long, long time played in the, in the Gator Bowl. So um, I went up to him and I told him, I said, coach, this is the turning point, I'm telling you. And I, and I don't remember what our record was at that point. We had maybe just, you know, five and two or something like that. Um, but I knew that that game was a game we would have lost in the past. And for whatever reason, you know, I think he had just built enough belief in the players and, and, the, and the system and the program that, hey, we're gonna be okay. We're gonna win this game. We're gonna finish this game. Um, and that was a big deal. Um, but it's, it feeds from the head coach's vision. And I think as long as the head coach doesn't steer away from what he believes in and he can, he can get a staff around him that buys in and believes in it and the staff can filter to the players and the players buy in, then I, I think, you know, um, the sky's the limit. I think we've totally, totally proved that here in Indiana. You know, we've done a better job recruiting, but it is about development and it's about the relationships with your players. You know, we don't have four and we don't have, we don't, number one, we don't have five stars and we've maybe got a handful of four stars, a handful. And, but we're beating the Penn States who have a roster of 60 and we're beating Michigan who has a roster of 70, four and five stars. And so why are we beating those teams? It's because of the relationships, the trust and the system that he's built 
uh, amongst the team. And there's not a doubt in my mind that that's, that's what it is. The development, not only physically, but, you know, the relationship piece that you build with your players and your team. Okay. And so let's kind of move into kind of like the, the overall defensive back. And I want to start, I want to start in the meet before we get into drills and the actual play aspect, let, let's start in, in the meeting room. What does a typical DB meeting look like for you and how you structure it and what you focus on from a day-to-day basis? So it, yeah, on a day-to-day basis, you know, if we're in season, I'm going to walk in. The first thing I'm going to do, I make everybody stand up and I tell a joke. Um, you know, I think the attention span today of players uh, and I'll be honest, as coaches, too, it's hard to sit there for 40 minutes in a 45-minute meeting and stare at a, at a screen. So we we do like to – I do like to break it up. I've always got candy, snacks, waters, Gatorades, everything's in our meeting room. I always have that as well. Uh, my wife does a great job of providing providing our guys with that. The first thing we do, man, we stand up, we tell a joke, and we sit down, and we go to work. So if we have install going in for that day um, – I always install it first. And the reason is, is I don't want to run over on film and not be able to get to the install. And then I'm scrambling to hit the install and the details of everything when we're trying to go out to practice. So the first thing I always hit is the install for that day. Any questions? All right, great. Uh, if we have film to watch, we'll watch some film. If not, we'll watch cut up to the install and just kind of focus on those. Um, and I'm very meticulous. To me, it's all about details. I'm a very detail-oriented guy. Where are my eyes? What foot is up? Uh, you know, am I pedaling? Am I scooching? What, what's my technique? Where should my eyes go? If this guy does this, what do I do? You know, so I'm, I'm a very detail-oriented guy. And uh, after about 15, 15 to 20 minutes, and I have a player in the room that holds me accountable to this, and I challenge him, um, I'll give him a break. And it, I call it a phone break. So five-minute phone break, right? Kids can't be without their phones nowadays. So, um, you know, I don't mind them having it in the room so to speak, but they know it, they put it away when the meeting starts. They could take it out when we get the five-minute phone break. And that's also guys get up, go to the bathroom, get something to drink, just walk around. So a 45-minute meeting, you know, it's about 15, 20 minutes of install, uh, talking, maybe some cut-ups, some film, stuff like that. Uh, five-minute phone break, then we go right back to watching more film. And if there's questions, we always answer the questions. Uh, we have a big enough meeting room. At times, I'll bring guys down front, and we'll actually walk through the techniques so if it's a if it's a pedal or a scooch or leverage on something or matching routes or things like that, we can walk through that uh, right there in the front of our meeting room, which I'll usually try to take advantage of too. Especially if we're going to try to man match uh, a difficult combination out of a out of a bunch or you know or stack or something like that, where we just kind of talk about eyes and leverage and um, and those type of things and depth. So um, that that is pretty much gist of it i do always ask guys i'm very when i when i install things i ask them to repeat things so i'll install it i'm a big board guy right get up there board it up first i will from time to time call guys up and have them draw um and, and talk you know teach the room through things some guys are comfortable with that some aren't i think it's smart to call the guys that aren't comfortable because the guys that are comfortable and get up in the front room and draw it they're going to call and communicate on the field the guys that are uncomfortable and unsure, they're not confident. So you need to get them up in front of the room as much as possible and instill the confidence in them. So I try to do that as much as possible too and call guys out and, and have them answer questions. Okay. And it, so you mentioned te- foot, footwork and technique there. What, from, from high school to college, what do you see as like the most common thing kids and players struggle with in that transition in terms of footwork? technique which one is the hardest for them to transition to from college from high school to college i think it's uh 
just the false steps and maybe, you know, are they T-stepping out of their pedal on their brake? Are they bicycle stepping, right? So, so to me, the T-step, it eliminates an extra step or two, depending on where your leverage is. I think, um, you know, if you're in your pedal, for, and I'm just using the safety, for example, if you're in your pedal and I'm pedaling out and I bicycle, to me, it's like starting a motor. It takes a second to get going yeah. again, right? Where I just want to keep my pad level low right? My nose over my toes and knees over my toes. And we use, we use shin angles too. We talk about shin angles, right? Shin over your, uh, over your, over your foot and things like that. So, but keep your pad level low. And then I should be able to just plant and drive in one step. I don't, I shouldn't bicycle. And you see it like some of these kids go to all these trainers and they're teaching them bicycle pedal and all those things. I just think that that's wasted movement. And in the big 10, again, some of the receivers we have to face, right? You know, Chris Olave, Okay, well, we may not have the speed to match Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson. So we have to be perfect with our brakes. And if they're driving an out route at seven and we're at 10, I've got to close that three yard gap as fast as possible. And there's quarterbacks in this league that will carve you apart. So, you know, we have to we have to focus on those things. I think that's the biggest the biggest transition. Maybe it's the pad level, um, you know, in terms of technique. I'll tell you the biggest thing that we see is is practice habits and just in general right just forming practice habits and coach allen is a huge huge emphasis on on practice habits how we finish every single drill uh you know your alignment the knee bend all those things even in, even in walkthroughs pre-practice like our guys are in stances their knees are bent their eyes are where supposed to be it's it's like a live snap but you're not full speed you know so trying to trying to emulate that game speed game uh repetition as much as as possible okay and then so you kind of going from there uh what is your base every everyday drills look like that you have to start off with before you get into technique specific stuff or install specific drills that you're going to focus on that day um i'm a big footwork guy so some sort of cones we always warm up with a pedal progression Call it just pedal pro. It's the first thing that's always on the first five minutes of my indie. So we'll pedal pro it. That includes the brakes and the cones, right? So pad level, those type of things. Uh, I'm a big hip flip guy. So we, we ran a ton of two trap this year, uh, cover two stuff. So just the safeties breaking off the hashes. So just flip my hips and driving, opening up on footballs. How fast can I get off the hash? Um, those are things, everyday drills that we're due. Uh, as well and then honestly I, I we do a tackle drill every single day it's usually some sort of uh pursuit or angle because we're always in the open field i'm trying to um you know try to emulate that as much as i can so it is it is a space drill um and that even if we do a tackle circuit as a group i'm always going to do some sort of tackle tackle drill uh, in my individual as well um and then uh, and then a takeaway and, and usually it involves some sort of just breaking downhill, could be straight on 45 degree, could be a, a 90 degree break, just something that, again, but it all it all goes together, right? I'll start them off with a pedal progression or a footwork and, or a flip their hips or go get it from the post or from the half field. So there's, those drills all kind of work themselves together, but the first one every single day would just be your, your general footwork, um, you know, getting loose, the warm up stuff, you know, kind of get them, um, get their minds just in the right spot for the rest of practice. Now you mentioned turnovers there, and that's one of the things I wanted to hit on next with you is y'all have done a very good job at forcing turnovers while you've been there. 
and even at some other prior stops, because I, when I was doing some of my research for this, you've done a very good job at producing turnovers in various spots you've been at as well. How have you been able to create not only the culture to, to, to force turnovers, but to actually force the turnovers? Um, well, the first thing is uh, you got to get the players to understand how critical they are to a game, right? And you talk about what are the factors as a head coach, what are some of those things those head coaches look for that win games? Field position, right? Turnover ratio, okay? So turnover ratio is a monster one, right? And then uh, probably red zone. Are you finishing your drives or defense stopping, right? So red zone, defense, offense, turnover ratio, field position. To me, those are three critical things. And, and obviously there's the third down battle, right? But those are the critical things that, that win games. So we, number one, all right? And, and I just said it, but uh, we stay takeaways on defense. And it is an aggressive mindset that we're trying to instill in our players. If anybody says, we call it the T word, and I'm going to say it on here, but turnover. If I say turnover, it's 25 push-ups. Okay. And we have, a, I mean, we have a, you know, a 60-year-old quality control that if he says turnover, Coach Allen makes him do push-ups. And it's like, <laughs> so, you know, he does take, Coach Allen will do push-ups. If Coach Allen says turnover, he will do push-ups. Now, he is the head coach, and he talks about offense and turning the ball over and defense taking the ball away. So, he he gets away with it more now than he, than he has in the past, but... Uh, I've seen them do push-ups for saying it and, and, uh, to defensive guys. Our players do it. Our coaches do it. And it is, it seems like something's, you know, little, but it is to us, it's an aggressive mindset. It's our job to take the ball away from the offense. Okay. And so we preach it every single day. Um, we set a limit every single practice. This is how many we have to have. It's usually five in a practice. All right. If we don't have that, then we have gassers after practice or some sort of punishment could be up downs uh, if we're trying to save their legs, but we'll run, we've been known to run a ton of, of half gassers um, in, in, uh, in practices if we don't meet, reach our goal. Uh, so there's, you know, our kids always have that in their mindset. Um, they don't carry over to the next day. So if they get seven in one practice, those two don't carry over to the next one. It's yeah. gotta be five every single day. Um, we do a circuit. Uh, so every, you know, uh, twice a week, uh, in season and then in spring ball, we'll do it just about every day. We do a, a takeaway circuit and it's just various drills. There's, um, you know, you've got your, just your regular fumble recovery, your scoop and score. We do like a, a run the hoops, force a sack, strip sack, other guys scoop and scores. Um, you know, we do a, a fumble, um, recover a fumble, like basically in a crowded area, right? Where we're covering the four points and uh, getting the field position, covering the football up. We always incorporate some sort of uh, a ball drill where it could be a, for the D-line, it's redirect on a screen, shoot the hand, tip drill, next guy's got to catch it. So just anything that we could do to get our, our guys get their hands on the football constantly. Um, if we're in practice, we're going against our offense, okay? Even if we're in pads and the ball's on the perimeter, uh, we're going to rake at the football. We're going to punch or rake, right? Peanut punch, right? Peanut Tillman was arguably one of the greatest at, at punching at the football and just creating those, those havoc plays. Um, you know, so we call it the peanut punch or we're going to try to rake at it where we're just coming over the top, finding the fingertips, trying to rake the ball out. Um, and we'll do that on the perimeter as, as guys are going in to finish the tackles and things like that. Uh, but we don't tackle in space here. We tag off anyway. So it's, it's an opportunity for those guys to go, Hey, I had that tackle, but really I'm going in and aggressively attacking yeah. the football. And again, it's all just the aggressive mindset. So we we do we drive it home. We focus on it. Um, it's in our defensive DNA. Uh, we talk about take uh, tackling, takeaways, and effort. Those are the three things that that we focus on on defense: tackling, takeaways, and effort. And we preach that to our kids 
over and over and over again on that side of the football. So, um, you know, I think just the major emphasis that we put on it, it, again, it comes from the vision of the head coach. That's something that he brought here when he was a defensive coordinator. Um, and then at other places, you know, it's really just been the same thing. I think you have to, not only, I think you have to do a good job as a play caller mixing up, you know, the zone, uh, the zone man, right. And your pressures and how you're forcing those quarterbacks. I think this year we made the quarterbacks that we faced very uncomfortable because we brought so much pressure from so many different places that they, they didn't know where it was coming from. And I think that a lot of those guys got happy feet and had trouble reading our, our safeties in an unbelievable coach Jones did an unbelievable job with those guys this year on the rotations and, and, uh, and, and the, Hus- the Huskies, the outside backers. And, and so we were able to, to, to force a lot of takeaways just by the pressures we were bringing and forcing quarterbacks to get some happy feet and try to force some footballs they, they really shouldn't have. Um, you know, so, but, but just putting the emphasis itself with the aggressive mindset that I am going to go take this football away and then working on it in practice. Like I said, we do it over and over and over again. Um, I got a couple more things for you. Uh, I'm always curious how people practice this because everybody's different. And um, how do you, how do you practice? I mean, obviously your rosters are large in most high schools, but how do you, how do you practice dealing with tempo and no huddle teams that are constantly moving? Um, is, is it multiple Huddle off, was it multiple scout teams? That way you can just go back to back. What is it? How do you guys deal with that in a practice situation? I think that's the hardest thing. I'll be honest with you. I think that's the hardest thing. That's a great question. I think that's the hardest thing to, uh, number one, I mean, it's not hard to, to run a tempo play, you know, for a scout team because they can just, you can say, hey, you're going to run the same play twice, but usually, right? I mean, teams do that from time to time, but usually it's a, some sort of variation off the first play they run. So, We've a couple things we call a zigzag drill. Um, it's it's uh, basically what it is, is you have four sets of cones. The cones are the offensive linemen. So you would start off the first set of cones would be on the uh, on the 40 going in on the right hash. All right. And I'm looking at it as, as from from a quarterback's perspective. We have our, our our coaches play quarterback. So the defense is facing me. So it would be the defense's left hash. We have two huddles of skill players. So there's four sets of cones. One's on the 40, one's on the 30, one's on the 20, one's on the 10, and they alternate hashes as it goes down the field, okay? If you can try to picture this in your head. Um, We have two groups of coaches, two groups of huddles, right? And uh, so I would be at the 40, and I would have five skill players with me. I show them a card. They burst to the line. Our defense has got to get the call, get the formation. I'm snapping that ball really, really quick. They do an up-down. They sprint to the next set of cones where the other coach already has his group and has already shown those guys, their, their play while, while we're running ours, they sprint and get lined up. Defense has to sprint to the next set of cones, get the call, get lined up, turn around, see the formation. I mean, it's a very fast, it's a very, you can imagine. And then once our group goes from the 40, we are running forward to the next set of cones for us on the 20. So as an offense, we always stay on the right side. The other huddle always stays on the left. They go from the 30 to the 10. We go from the 40 to the 20. And it's in our defense basically takes all four reps. And it's a zigzag where they zigzag back and forth down the field, but they got to get the call, see the formation. And it's, it is, that's, that's one way we do it. Um, we under Kevin Wilson here uh, and coach Allen did it. Initially we gotten away from it. The first five minutes of practice, we would go good on good and we called it red ball. People call a bunch of different stuff, right? And so, but we call it red ball here. Um, 
and it's it's an it's not a real tempo i mean it's you know offense is going to basically run six plays our one defense is out there it's our versus our one offense they're going to run zone read bubble first play the second play they're going to run some sort of pass right but we're moving the ball down the field even if even if we tag them off in the backfield we're going to move the ball and set it and the offense is going as fast as they can we've got to react and go as a defense as fast as we can um so that's another another way that we try to combat it if we're working with scout teams i'll tell you one thing that we we have is gopro which i think is clutch the gopros nowadays i don't know if you guys have heard of those but um they're great for our scout teams um we usually tag two plays so number one we try to use our offensive terminology (laughs) terminology for our uh our offensive scout guys as much as possible so we call inside zone on the first play that we're gonna you know if we're playing ohio state right we can call inside zone the way they're gonna try to run it and then we can tell our offense when we're in the huddle with them our scout offense hey get ready you know we're gonna go back-to-back plays here and the second play is this well number one we'll tell them in the huddle well sometimes those guys forget so right after the inside zone, we're screaming the next call to them in our offensive terminology, trying to get them on the ball as fast as possible. Um, now, it does come down to a couple of things. One, how fast can you get the ball spotted? So you got to have great managers or coaches, whoever's in, you know, they got to get the ball from the other guy. Team's got to get up, got to get lined up as fast as possible. So just trying to stress your defense as much as possible. Those are three things that we try to do. Um, like I said, when we're working with our scout team, it's usually back-to-back plays. You don't have like a, it's hard to go a whole series of tempo with your scout team. Mm-hmm. We can do it with that zigzag drill, yeah. uh, you know, and and stress your defense out in 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 that way. Um, but I do think that's one of the hardest things on a defense, and it got us in the bowl game this year. Period. That's that's probably the reason we gave up 26 points. Well, I know it is. You know, we just couldn't handle the tempo, getting our getting the call in, and our guys getting their feet we call feet in the ground. You know, our feet were not in the ground for a lot of those snaps. Now, um, from, from going from there, uh, as we start wrapping this up, I got, I got two more questions for you. Um, when you, when you guys are looking, uh, in the, uh, when you guys are looking in the off season and self scouting yourself and looking back, see what did and didn't work. What are you guys specifically looking at to, okay, this worked, this didn't work. What, what data points are you actually looking at? figure out okay this is where i need to add this is where i need to get rid of etc um well number one we're going to look at we we break it down just like we would break down a game plan so you've got your for example i'll just do third down for example right you get your third and short your third and medium your third and long your third and extra long so we do it by dnd right so third and one to two you know third to five is medium um six to nine i think is long and then 10 plus is extra long so that's you know that's just how we kind of categorize you know, our breakdowns alone. So then in the off season, we'll go back. All right. What did we call on third and medium? Okay. Here's the list of calls that we called. All right. Um, we break it down all just to yards per play and wins and losses. So for example, if we called, you know, a pressure with man free behind it, uh, we'll say a five man pressure, right. With man free behind it. Okay. That gave up you know, 9.7 yards per play every time we called that. Probably not a good call, but, right, I mean, you may have had one explosive off of that. So we got to look at wins and losses of the plays as well. So we called it five times, four times it won third down for us, 
And then one time we gave up a 20 something yard pass route where we gave up 9.7. So the number, you know, so you can't always look at yards per play where, Hey, you know, 80% of the time, this is a great call for us. Does that, does that make sense? So yeah. we kind of break it down that way and we do it for every single segment. Um, but then there's times where you'll look at your yard per play and you, you know, you're giving up on third and medium, right? Which again is, is four to six. We're giving up nine yards of play. Well, you know, we brought this, this zone pressure, 303 deep zone pressure, right? Okay. Well, it gave up nine point whatever yards per play. We only won one time out of it out of six. So that's a terrible call. We probably need to look at either not calling it. Why, why did we give up? And we watch and study every single clip. It's very meticulous. It's very detailed and it's going to take us several weeks. We, it, we probably self scout in the off season for about four weeks. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's five days a week for, you know, for four weeks and we're going through every single call. What, you know, why, what was the breakdown of the play? And we, and we note it, we, we make comments in our plays as we watch them. Why did we win this rep? Why did we lose this rep? What was good? What wasn't good? Was it the disguise, right? So was it the, was it the play call? Okay. Was it the offensive scheme? Like the play call that just got us? Uh, was it a, a physical error? Did somebody miss a tackle? We were in, were we in position to make the play and get the stop and we missed the tackle and the guy went for 40 yards after that. Right. So was it a physical mistake? Um, you know, what, you know, there's just, there's a lot of different, you know, comments that you make as you watch it, you know, um, and as, as we kind of go through and game plan that that's the biggest thing for us. And then we like to just carry over, obviously if something's very successful for us, we're going to carry that over, but Hey, how can we tweak it just a little bit, you know, because you got to, in, in this conference, there's a lot of very smart offensive coaches, right. And head coaches. Yeah. So you've got to keep them on your toes. How can we tweak this? Keep the, keep the, you know, the scheme the same, but Hey, we'll give them out of this look this year. Maybe they won't be onto it. So just those type of things are things that we do look for. Um, you know, when we're breaking down and we're kind of going through our self scout every, every single year. And we, we've completely thrown stuff out that have been successful in the past, but we've run it for three years and teams finally figured it out. Well, you got to move on from it. Um, you got to study other teams, see what other teams are doing. We, we, you know, we communicate a lot with people that are in this profession that, that we know and can trust and try to bounce ideas off each other. That's the beautiful thing about this job, brotherhood of it. And then uh, I just had curiosity, what, what, from a personal standpoint, what is your favorite coverage and why? What is your like? If you had, if you had, to, if you had to live and die in one, from a personal standpoint, what, what would that be? Yep, I like. Um, I, I'm I've grown up a quarters based guy, but I think there's different ways to play quarters. Okay. So I, you know, it's just. Um, but I would probably be labeled as a as a quarters guy if I was you know a defensive coordinator, and people would probably know that I'm going to play some faster form of quarters. I think the reason is is it allows you to be aggressive against the run in the box, yeah. you know, for you know, you can play nine in the box and you can stop the run, I believe in quarters. Um, and obviously, you know, we don't, we don't play a lot of read quarters where we're reading, you know, two on the out, stuff like that, trying to jump it with the corner, you know, we're playing, it's more match man type. I think you're safe against the verticals because you always have the, those vertical players. It's very mannish, which I like as well. But again, like I said, you could be aggressive against the run and get nine in the box. Um, I also don't think offensive coordinators are patient enough. I think, you know, the weakness obviously for us is that five yard out. Well, I dare you to throw 15 five yard outs all the way down the field. Eventually you're going to try to take a shot and when you do, I'm going to be there. So, um, you know, I, like I said, I, I'd probably label myself as a, 
as a quarters guy, we run it several different ways here. We actually run quarters two or three different ways. Um, just the way that we play our safeties and our corners and our, our overhang players. So I think it's a great changeup for us. Um, and we've got checks and everything that go off of them that make it, I think, um, the other thing that I've grown to like that was big for us was just we, we ran a ton of cover two this past season yeah. and, and did it a lot of different. We ran some simulateds off of it, um, some simulated pressures off of it and dropped our weak side end. And um, I think Coach Womack did a phenomenal job with that this year, just mixing that up. And I, 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 if I, whenever I move on somewhere, I'll be taking a lot of that stuff with me. It's really good. Okay. Well, Coach, I thank you for coming on and, and talking a little ball and talking a little DB play and scouting and dealing with some practice stuff. Um, coaches, if you want to get a hold of Coach, um, give him a follow on Twitter. His, his uh, Twitter handle will be below. Um, again, like uh, and share the share this video so um, other coaches can see it. Uh, bonus content, go to the Patreon as normal. And see also all of our affiliate and sponsor links below as well. Um, and again, that was another episode of the Gap Down Backer podcast.